Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Bob Gruen, rock and roll photographer from New York, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Simplecast, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Um, This is episode 170. I'm calling this short-lived genres. This was inspired by, I'm going to be going on... um, uh, Joe Becht's show. Joe Becht has been a loyal listener of this show, and um, and he's been part of our Contrarians team, and he's got his own new show called Average Joes. Uh, but he's posed the question of, does genre, do genre tags help or hinder? Is it a good idea? Is it a good device? Um, so we're still going to do that show. We've got that scheduled, but this is a bit of a side thing that was inspired by that. Um, I wanted to look at some of these genres that are short-lived. And I actually went and looked at a list of my old episodes. Uh, You know, number one, to make sure I'm not talking about too much that I've talked about before. But um, it's funny, I made this short list of ones that sort of go into this idea of genre tags. And we've got episode eight, Dirty Hair Metal, uh, which isn't really a genre. I made that one up. Uh, Episode 10, New Wave of British Heavy Metal. We're going to be talking about that a little bit here. New Wave of Swedish Heavy Metal, a little bit here as well, uh, but in a new way, of course. Uh, The Roots of Grunge, Bluesy Hair Metal, which again is kind of like Dirty Hair Metal. We've got No Longer Punk, The Birth of Post-Punk. Going to talk about that a little bit here. Glam Rock. I'm saving that for honorable mentions um, because we do have a whole episode on that. Pub Rock did an episode on that. That was a short-lived genre. And uh, Psychedelic 90s Metal, very recent one, 159. That's that's kind of a made-up one, again, by me and not really a genre, but I, I, I thought I'd talk about it and clump those bands together. So let's get started. Um, this is roughly chronological, at least uh, it is here. This is the very earliest. Take a listen to this. This is Black Sabbath with The Wizard. Talking, just keep walking, nothing is magic. 
Okay, so why are we playing Black Sabbath in here? Well, here's the thing. So um, in terms of short-lived genres, uh, there was a short-lived genre called garage rock, more or less, uh, which is, you know, when rock was getting a little heavier and a little little darker, a little more menacing, or at least a little more uh, transgressive uh, post the Beatles. And you had this phase of these garage bands. Uh, you know, they were rough, they were raw, often just singles coming out, etc., etc. But as you moved on, I, I always found it very fascinating, this idea of underground music. Um, so underground music is, is an interesting term, uh, and you could say it was a genre. Uh, that uh, that essentially enveloped, I, I looked up kind of the Wikipedia definition of it, and it was a little more all-enveloping and, and a little different than the way I sort of remember, you know, people talking about it as this thing in the, in the early 70s. You know, they bring in, you know, underground in terms of communism or Frank Zappa, like really weird and underground and, you know, only, only going to be liked by the heads. Um, but they even started talking about black metal and that sort of thing being underground. But what I like about Black Sabbath and this idea of underground rock was there was this whole, you know, that vertigo, uh, harvest island sort of thing, you know, especially vertigo and Black Sabbath's on vertigo, this idea of these, of these sort of darker, more wild proggy bands that were maybe a little heavier and this stuff was all kind of called underground music then. And this is a this is a term that also bleeds uh, bleeds from the late 60s. I mean, I remember Cream being called this as well. So yeah, before there kind of was really a heavy metal uh, or even a prog, you know, just right in that sort of 1970 transition period, there's this idea of underground music being a genre. And I guess it basically means stuff that's, uh, you know, pretty fearlessly creative and maybe a little yeah maybe a little hippie-ish little little darker um definitely not going to be kind of radio friendly and uh, and that's where you had a lot of these uh, classic bands whether they be prog or hard rock or heavy metal lumped into this this cool underground music tag and just as a side note I was uh, I was debating having a whole category for this difference between psychedelia and and acid rock. So acid rock is something that overlaps with underground music. It even overlaps, you know, depending on how clued out the the journalist is, uh, you know, or mainstream the journalist is. They they will just call heavy metal acid rock, right? Um, but again, I looked up the the, the Wikipedia definition, and it, and it kind of had this interesting twist on it that that I I kind of feel as well that acid rock is a little more of the darker druggier it's right in the title a form of psychedelia but it is psychedelia it basically overlaps with psychedelia or is essentially the same thing but they made a little bit of a distinction there between uh they called uh british psychedelia had a sense of whimsy um but california psychedelia was maybe a little darker maybe a little druggier or something i think of i think of a band like steppenwolf steppenwolf and iron butterfly uh, to me, are the epitome of acid rock, if there is such a thing. Um, so that's all kind of interesting. So, so yeah, we've got and and you know, it, it also mentioned that. Um, yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting. I've always said that psychedelia broke off into two branches. Uh, you know, the left hand path was heavy metal, and the right hand path was progressive rock. Um, but it kind of makes the subtle point that maybe you might even say that those two things come a little more out of acid rock rather than uh, psychedelia. So that's so that's kind of cool. Um, 
yeah, let's see what else is say. Yeah, it mentions the American West Coast. I just had some notes here that had here uh, they had here. Ah, yeah, nothing much else to add on that. So yeah, that's your that's your number one uh, department here category. Let's go on to our second selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Saxon with Freeway Mad. All right, so my category here is the idea of using the word new in a genre, right? And then everybody gets all up in arms. No, it was an era. It was a movement. It wasn't a genre, blah, blah, blah. Of course, we're talking about, first off, the new wave of British heavy metal. So, you know, we've got two or three or four episodes on that. I'm not going to go into it in a big way. Uh, The way I want to talk about it here is, uh, you know, when does it not become new again uh, and it just continues on and it's no longer new? Well, the funny thing with the new wave of British heavy metal uh, different than other new, uh, which we'll get to. But the the interesting thing is it actually did end. So it started in 79 and for all intents and purposes, you know, pick a year. My favorite year to saying it was over is 84. Might be a little late. 83. Um, it's, it's top years, I suppose, are 80 and 81. Um, and 82, actually. Uh, come to think of it, 80, 81, and 82 are, are, you know, the guts of the new wave of British heavy metal. But the interesting thing is, this is a genre that ended, so it was a short-lived genre. Um, I should just go back. Number one, underground music, you know, which is officially what I'm, I'm calling that category. That was definitely a short-lived thing, too. That that whole term fell out of use probably 72, 73. So anyways, um, so this, so definitely the new wave of British heavy metal was a short-lived genre because it was absolutely, absolutely all over by, by 84. It, it just dissipated. It was gone, kind of replaced by hair metal, replaced by not much in Britain, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but again, uh, I've, I've somewhat coined the term new wave of Swedish heavy metal, which kind of did the same thing. Um, it's a little later. It's more like an 80, I always think of 85 as the core year, but starts in more or less 83, so 83, 84, 85, but then it ends, so it's kind of over. Uh, And then, of course, we had the new wave of British progressive rock, uh, which was your Marillions and IQs and Palaces and Twelfth Night and those kind of bands, Saracen, maybe Limelight. Um, So so even that sort of ended, or... It was never that big, so when it got smaller, nobody even noticed. But but you know, some of those bands continued on. Um, and just another couple in this uh, in this example, New Romantics. So New Romantics was that whole thing with Duran Duran and Human League and Spandau Ballet and Flock of Seagulls. Uh, maybe maybe a little Simple Minds, I suppose, thrown in there as well. Japan. Um, so this was the idea of high, high glamour applied to rock, synthesizers, you know, very glossy, very pop chart oriented in the UK. So they're called the New Romantics. So when did the New Romantics become the Old Romantics? And who were the Old Romantics? I think I think basically they're ref- referring to probably Roxy Music and David Bowie in that respect. Um, and just a final one on the new part of it is, uh, you know, uh, new metal. Um, so... Is this a short-lived genre as well? By the way, these have all been short-lived genres, but new metal as well, 
pretty long-lived genre, I suppose. It was, and it was huge. I mean, there were many, many multi-multi-platinum albums out of that. But again, um, everybody groused about the term because, you know, it, it it was a new form of metal. Okay, that's fine. But but when is it no longer new? Four, five, six years in? Because, you know, I mean, basically, I don't know, what are we talking about here? 2000, probably to 2008? Um pretty pretty long genre did it did pretty well and uh, and it was huge for a long time and had quite a few bands uh but yeah when does it become new again uh when is it no longer new sort of thing um all right, uh, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works, but what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal, normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help better help is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset and special offer to history and five songs with martin popoff listeners you can get 10 percent off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs that's betterhelp better h-e-l-p.com slash five songs thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode all right, let's move on to our third selection here. This is Raven with Read All About It. Now, you may be wondering, why am I playing Raven? They seem like a new wave of British heavy metal band. That should should have been in the last category. Well, no, I'm talking about them here as a speed metal band. Um, this was a short-lived genre. Remember, um, we had the new wave of British heavy metal. 1983, we had the birth of Thrash with Metallica Kill 'Em All. But in between, building up to Thrash, there was this idea of uh, of speed metal um double bass was starting to get used uh usually there were pretty high histrionic vocals tempos were fast basically uh we talk about fast as a shark uh is that the first thrash song no is it a speed metal song probably more so right um but raven definitely um you know traveled in this trade um you know the legendary john gallagher and mark gallagher um wiped out as their second album 1982 they had uh rock till you drop uh you know, the first one was also had a lot of fast stuff on it but this one especially with faster than the speed of light etc um so they're in here. Anvil is the other big band. You know, Anvil is sort of noted in his, you know, noted in history for metal on metal and forged in fire, which are speed metal classics, proto thrash classics. So not thrash, but proto thrash, right? Um, 
you had the band from Ottawa, Exciter. Um, they were fast. And, uh, you know, and speed metal, uh, I always kind of characterize it as uh, the hi-hat's a little open, right? Um, the, the riffs are a little smearier. The, the singing is a little more histrionic, like I said earlier, you know, kind of kind of like uh, like wailing away or screaming away. Things are fast. It's bashy. It's, a, it's maybe a little punky for all intents and purposes. Motorhead are kind of like a... Um, you know, a speed metal pioneer type band. Um, you know, a lot of those little bands that never put out albums that uh, came out on Mike Varney's Shrapnel uh, label or or uh, Brian Slagle's Metal Blade label. So yeah, speed metal is that connective tissue between the new wave of British heavy metal and, uh, and thrash, and it certainly was a short-lived genre um, because... Um, it kind of arose out of the new wave of British heavy metal, which is already tucking up against thrash. And once thrash started, sp- the idea of speed metal became a little anachronistic. And therefore, bands like Metal Church kind of fell a little bit by the wayside. Um, and some uh, some of those other metal blade bands, they were they were all of a sudden sounding a little behind the times, um, you know, butted up against, say, the second Anthrax album or when Megadeth emerged or when, when the Exodus album finally came out sort of thing. Um, so there you go. There's another definite short-lived genre. Okay, let's move on to our fourth selection. This is Devo with Clockout. I got my keys. I got my head down to my lungs and move my feet. Right. Love Devo. Creepy, weird, little, strange band. Uh, is it Akron, Ohio? I'm pretty sure it's Akron, Ohio. Um, this is from their second album, Duty Now for the Future. Probably my favorite one, followed by the first one, uh, Are We Not Men, We Are Devo. Um, and uh, and then the third one, I, I actually saw Devo live uh, in a big place. Uh, you know, when, when they had the big uh, Whip It hit, um, they played, I think they cut it off to half full, but the Pacific Coliseum, when I was in first year university in Vancouver so they played a big hockey barn and they were the headliner um so that was kind of cool um but the idea here is um this whole this whole discussion between new wave and punk and post-punk so I've always said that so first of all let's deal with punk uh Devo is not exactly a punk band they're too arty they're not as heavy they're not heavy enough they're not as 4-4 and power corded enough so Punk, though, is not a short-lived genre. I think punk did live on. Uh, it morphed. Uh, it kind of it went away a little bit, but it came back big uh, with the whole SoCal thing. And, it, and, you know, a lot of punk bands still are out there playing and making records today. So um, punk is not a short-lived genre. Post-punk, I think, is a short-lived genre. I think um, you know it's it's such a weird, complicated, challenging one. Oh yeah, I, di- I didn't I didn't read. Oh yeah, I did I did read this. Yeah, the birth of post punk. I had an episode one seventeen called that. I had an episode ninety seven called uh, no longer punk. But it's such a weird, complicated, strange concept. This idea of post punk, and I I consider it a, a very English thing. You know, atonal. Public Image Limited, Teardrop Explodes, Magazine, Joy Division, a um, lot of lot of open architecture with strange, gnarly bass. Uh, Stranglers, I think, is a post-punk band. Um, but uh, 
but it, it was a short-lived genre it morphed it was so hard to pin down anyways but we generally think of post-punk as something that starts as early as 1978 uh and it's probably wearing itself out by by about 1984-1985 you know the more you bring keyboards and synths into it it starts to morph and not be that but this idea of new wave i think new wave is a short-lived genre for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, I um, I always say uh, I like to separate out the post-punk. Post-punk is a, is uh, is more or less um, an English thing. Although oddly enough, Devo kind of fits into post-punk. So does Perubu, um, another Ohio band. Um, but I always look at New Wave as sort of the uh, first of all. Um, the 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 bands that came from pub rock, so that whole rock pile, Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, Ian Dury sort of feel. Um, so that's your English new wave, and then and then American new wave is like the Romantics and the Cars. Um, I don't know all all the the bands, right? The Inmates. Um, and uh, and Devo uh, fits into new wave. I uh, actually uh, Blondie, Talking Heads. Devo definitely fits in, but I guess they got a little post-punk to them as well. But the reason I'm bringing this up and uh, and and having this an official category of our short-lived genres is that very quickly people stopped using that term new wave. That term new wave pretty much burned itself out, I would say, by about 1982. Uh, Pretenders. Pretenders is another perfect example of a, of a new wave band. Um, so, so I consider the whole new wave thing to be uh, three quarters uh, use it for American bands, one quarter use it for, for English bands. Uh, but in both cases, uh, the term goes away. Like I say, post-punk is so confounding. You, you have no idea when it goes away just because it's too weird. Um, but punk, I don't think, is a short ter- short-lived genre. I don't think it did particularly go away. Um, all right, let's move on to our fifth one. Uh, take a listen to this. This is T-Ride with Backdoor Romeo. Okay, well then, who the heck is T-Ride, right? Um, let's let's talk about that first. So May 19th, 1992, this album came out, Hollywood Records. I seem to think I actually featured T-Ride once in an old episode, and I don't know what, what that would have been about because we don't, okay, I'm not going to get into what, what the genre is yet. Um, but yeah, love this album. They only made the one album. Uh, it's got this really cool song that was a little bit of a hit, one of the mellower songs on it called You and Your Friend. Uh, but the one I picked, uh, I wanted to play this because it is at least heavy and it fits this idea of, drum roll, please, please, dance metal. <laughs> so the idea here is, um, and and uh, and I'm actually going to include, so, so I'm going to call this genre dance metal, including funk metal. Um, so this is our short-lived genre, and I think I think dance metal is something that I more or less coined and used a fair bit. Um, and I don't know if it, anybody really picked up on it very much. It's it's not much of a used term, but the term funk metal is actually used and remembered and uh, and considered uh, a short-lived metal genre. And to me, I, I was thinking about this a little bit. It almost starts with 
ZZ Top Eliminator and the whole, so this is combination dance metal, funk metal, because Billy Gibbons even talked about playing at those BPMs. The whole idea was to make hard rock that was danceable. Um, so I, I think of ZZ Top, and I also think of Billy Idol. Uh, you know, his big hit album, Rebel Yell. Um, to me, that's a form of dance metal. And then also um, mixing dance metal and funk metal a little more deeply and then actually taking a fair bit of the metal out of it is Prince with the big Purple Rain hit situation. You know, so he's a guitarist and he plays a little bit of heaviness here or there. Um, but yeah, you know, When Doves Cry, that whole idea. Um, but T-Ride fits this perfectly. And this is pretty interesting. So so the wiki, they have a wiki, which says a lot for a band that only made one album on Hollywood Records and disappeared. Um, American San Francisco-based heavy metal band, which was noted for its complex instrument and vocal arrangements. Their eponymous debut was released in 92. The band was compared to Queen and Van Halen, and the album received glowing reviews, including Joe Satriani describing them as the future of metal. Uh, despite this, the group disbanded before finishing their second album. Songs from the album were used in various motion pictures and television shows, including Luxury Cruiser in the soundtrack to 90, 1992's Encino Man, Zombies from Hell in the movie Captain Ron, and Bone Down in an episode of Baywatch. Um, Forbidden Paradise Part 2. Uh, their drummer and album's producer, Eric Valentine, went on to become a notable record producer, producing such acts as Smash Mouth, Queens of the Stone Age, Third Eye Blind, Lost Prophets, Good Charlotte, Nickel Creek, um... Uh, John Fogarty, The All-American Rejects, Slash, amongst others. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, love this album, and it's truly, truly dance metal. Now, the, the most important thing is this whole dance metal thing, the other big band and even a bigger band that sort of defines this is the Dan Reed Network. Go check that stuff out. So, you know, what is it? It's, it's technology, sequencing, um, heavy guitars, uh, complication, danciness, funkiness, uh, all mixed in. Um, and then more on the funk metal end of things, people talk about Red Hot Chili Peppers sort of beginning that because they had guitar and what they were doing. Uh, and then, of course, you quickly bring in Faith No More and Fishbone. Um, Living Color, you know, dis it gets discussed in this way uh, a little bit, right? You know, four black guys making kind of noisy heavy metal, but it also was kind of funky as well. And then uh, Infectious Grooves, you've got that cool um, uh, suicide t su Suicidal Tendencies offshoot band. Um, Scatterbrain, uh, Squarely Squarely a funk metal band, and Ugly Kid Joe. And I also include in here a little bit Saigon Kick and even a little more Extreme. I think Nuno, Nuno Betancourt um, was, was a very funky guitarist. Um, I think you could definitely put them in here. And now that I think of Nuno and I think of Boston, I almost think of uh, who, who, who started this whole thing. Maybe Aerosmith, right? Um, so kind of interesting. So I think that is, uh, is absolutely a, uh, a, a, a short-lived genre. Well, it's definitely a short-lived genre. And, uh, and you almost get a bonus in there because you, you do get the dance metal and the funk metal uh, kind of mixed together. But yeah, check out that T-Ride album. Uh, I was surprised to see it actually is on Spotify, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, the, it, it's a band talked about in those kind of jellyfish uh, reverent terms, or at least by me anyways, right? Um, so yeah, and, and the last thing about funk metal is uh, you can definitely, definitely say it was the proto version of new metal. So, um, you know, it begat something much, much bigger uh, than itself, than, than funk metal itself. All right, honorable mentions. Um, 
you know, because I did a glam episode, I didn't want to talk about glam, but glam was pretty short-lived in the UK. But what I found even more exciting uh, is I wanted to talk a little bit about late glam. So, and I don't even know if they have a name for it, but that that polite glam where the clothes were really, um, you know, toned down. And, uh, and I honestly, this was pretty interesting. So the Contrarians recently had an episode that I wasn't part of called Yacht Rock. And those guys did a great job. Um, they had, there was a panel, Nick, Nick ran this panel and they all talked about Yacht Rock. But I, I personally think that the late period of glam, that 75, 76, maybe into 77 version of it, uh, was almost like Britain's version of Yacht Rock. So yeah, uh, maybe we should do a Contrarians episode on that someday. That would be kind of cool. But you know, I, I just put down a little list of bands here that maybe kind of fit into this whole thing. Um, maybe I'm getting some of the years wrong on some of these, but I'm thinking bands like Rabbit, Racy, Smokey, uh, City Boy, Pilot, Bay City Rollers, Sweeney Todd here from Canada, Paper Lace, Mott after, after Mott the Hoople when they were just Mott, um, Hush, Jordy with Brian Johnson. Ah, maybe. Yeah, Jordy's pretty heavy and pretty more into the normal glam thing. But uh, I, I think I think the likes of Pilot and Smokey and maybe Racy <laughs> uh, really fit this idea of this of this polite, toned down yacht rocky glam. So I think that was a short lived genre as well, and it's kind of a subgenre of of actual glam. All right, if you like this episode, uh, this show, and want to support future episodes, please go to ko-fi.com slash martinpopoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. On that front, this week, I'd like to thank nobody because, uh, no, just kidding. But um, no, I'm actually doing this episode, believe it or not. Uh, this is the earliest I've ever done an episode after the last episode. I'm literally doing it the day uh which is Tuesday, uh, the day that an episode's supposed to go up later today. So it's the morning uh, on a Tuesday. What is it? September 20th, 2022. Um, but uh, but no, uh, there's been no time for anybody to send me any Kofi, so that's fine. Um, but uh, yes, thank you all for supporting. We had a long list last time because I, I did that stretch out thing, and I come to think of it, this one's going to stretch out now um, because I'm doing this so early. But uh, yeah, uh, the other big news is... Um, uh, the greatest book I ever wrote, uh, Lively Arts, The Damned Deconstructed, uh, just came in this last Friday. So I've got those for signing and selling and shipping. And uh, at the same time, I also got in Easy Action, uh, uh, the original Alice Cooper band, and Feed uh, Feed My Frankenstein, Alice Cooper, The Solo Years, which is my old Alice Cooper book busted into two um, and made into trade paperback. So they're just black and white throughout. So yes, if you have my old Alice Cooper book, you don't need this one. Uh, but it has been updated and re-edited and stuff like that. So yeah, martinpopoff.com for any of that stuff. Um, my art pal site uh, or martinpopoff.ca to see the, uh, you know, the portraits I've been drawing. I've got prints of all that stuff as well. Uh, there you go. Um let us know on the Facebook page uh, some other short-lived genres, some genres that went away. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say is um, I almost feel like there's a whole other episode in here about um, the idea of when a genre ends, whether it's short-lived or not, what happens. Um, you know, what what vestiges are left of that genre moving forward? That might be a kind of a cool episode as well. I'm not sure what I'm going to call that one. Maybe it's too close to this one. Anyways, um, yeah, uh, your, your homework assignment, go play that T-Ride album. It's pretty cool. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. 
All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 